Thanksgiving has come and gone, and I hope you all enjoyed a blessed and bountiful Thanksgiving feast with turkey and all the trimmings. And now, now we enter the busy month of December, and as we do, we enter a new church year with the season of Advent. Advent brings with it a new cycle of scripture readings that are part of our worship life in many churches, our own included. We follow what's called a three-year lectionary series of scripture readings for three years, year A, year B, and year C. We're now entering year A, which follows Matthew's gospel. Next year, year B will follow Mark's gospel, and the year after that, year C will be Luke's gospel. And readings from John's gospel are interspersed throughout. And when we get through with year C, we start all over again. And through this, we end up getting through much of the whole counsel of God revealed in Scripture over the course of that three-year period. The word Advent itself, uh, like many words in our English language, comes from the Latin, two words ad and ventus, to come to, to come toward. And this brief four-week season is often misunderstood. It is thought to be simply a time of preparation for Christmas. And certainly there are aspects of the Advent season that are all about that, getting ready to celebrate Jesus' birth. But I submit to you that's not the primary purpose of what Advent is all about. The primary purpose of Advent is not to help us prepare for Christ's first coming, his birth in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago, which we do celebrate at Christmas. Rather, the primary purpose of Advent is to help us be ready to celebrate Christ's second coming, when he will be revealed no longer as a helpless infant, but in great power and glory and majesty as the king and the judge of all creation. And that especially comes through loud and clear in the themes for worship today, the scripture lessons, the hymns we're singing, the prayers. And as noted at the start of the service, the color for this season is this rich, royal, kingly blue color. It's a color of hope a color of hope-filled expectation as we wait and watch for the Savior's promised return. The theme for Advent preaching, as noted on the first slide, is get ready. And today, that message based on Jesus' words in the Gospel lesson is entitled, Get Ready for the Day. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. Well, that theme, get ready for the day, probably makes us start, the wheels are turning up here, getting ready for the big day coming up later this month, 
December 25th, Christmas Day. Well, in the month ahead, there's shopping and gift buying, there's decorating and baking, sending cards, all kinds of special worship services. There's concerts and parties and family gatherings. There's a lot crammed into this short period of time. And as we've learned from all kinds of reports on the news, we have actually a shorter season this year, right? because the last couple of years we've had a gap week between Thanksgiving, which was earlier the last few years, and the start of Advent in the month of December. Not so this year, so it's maybe making things feel a little more rushed. Well, with all of those things, the shopping and the sending cards and all of the other things, you might end up feeling kind of like this person, maybe, yeah, ready to sort of tear your hair out. And this is a question we ask each other often, right? So, are you ready for Christmas? And my standard response is always this. You know, the good news about Christmas is that whether we are ready or not, Christmas still comes. When all is said and done, the blessings of Christmas are not dependent on us and all of our planning and all of our preparations. The blessings of Christmas depend on God, who in the fullness of time, sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. That's you and me. So that we might receive adoption as sons, as daughters, as his beloved children. That is what Christmas is all about. The gift of God's own son given for you and for me for all people so what happens when we don't get all the shopping done when we don't get all the gift buying done when we can't make it to every function we'd like to get to what happens then <clears throat> tell you a little story about when the christmas tree won't stand up years ago when I was in college some years ago, um, I, I wasn't a music major, but I did enjoy taking some music lessons, piano and organ, had a good time with that. And the organ prof was this very shy, retiring, quiet, introverted guy. He hardly would say anything at all which is always a little unsettling when you go in for your lesson because you wouldn't say anything. You didn't know how you did. Is this good, bad, what? And, uh, but his wife was exactly the opposite. Vivaciously outgoing, as strong an extrovert as you can imagine. So they made a, a really, really interesting couple. One year, no matter what they did, they could not get their Christmas tree to stand up. Just wouldn't happen. They tried everything. Wouldn't happen. Time and again, the thing would flop over onto the floor. They'd do something different, and next morning they get up, flop over on the floor again. What to do? What do you do? Well, rather than get so bent out of shape about this irritating, annoying Christmas tree, they decided to just go with it as it was and decorate it lying on the floor. 
That's what they did. Unusual, to be sure, but it worked. And you know what? That's the one Christmas tree everybody remembers. Remember that time when they had that weird Christmas tree on the floor? Yep. My point here is that we not lose sight of what is of first importance. And the Christmas tree, beloved as it is, is not of first importance. If so if we can dial down the stress level in our lives in this holiday season as we get ready for Christmas, maybe even decorating the Christmas tree on the floor, that's probably a good thing. So we have a pretty good idea of how we get ready for Christmas, but how do we then get ready for the day when Jesus will come again? I mean, what does that look like? How do we do that? Jesus tells us concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. And Jesus doesn't really cut us any slack here. He doesn't get into the when. He doesn't get into the why. He just tells us that day is coming. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Wow. Is it possible to sustain a constant state of readiness without ever knowing when that day is going to be here? And I think we might learn a few things from the men and women of our armed forces who, especially in time of deployment, know what that looks like, know what that feels like, that constant state of readiness and preparation. In essence, that is what Jesus is calling us to do as we enter into this Advent season. Our friend, Paul the Apostle, has some guidance for us in today's epistle lesson about how we are to live anticipating that day. Paul writes, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Paul here calls on all of us who have been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ. He calls us to let go of things that are not of Christ. Because, you see, through our baptism, we have entered into a whole new existence, a whole new way of life. And Paul's imagery here is taking off one set of clothes and putting on a new set of clothes. 
the old filthy rags of our fallen human nature, they've been put off in baptism and we have been reclothed in garments of salvation in the robe of Christ's own righteousness, which he has given us through the shedding of his blood as payment for all of our sins. All of that we receive through the cleansing waters of holy baptism. And now because of this, we are to live honorably. We are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, not slipping under the radar, not under cover of darkness, because if something in our lives cannot stand the light of day, then we would be well advised to let go of that something. You see, by the power of the Holy Spirit, who has been poured out upon us in the cleansing waters of baptism, we are called to walk in newness of life. And it's a daily thing, because some days are better than others, right? Some days we do really well with that, and some days not so well. When we are tempted to revert back to old behaviors, that are not of Christ, old ways that are not life-giving. And Paul talks about what those are in the epistle lesson. What do we do then? What we do is we cry out to Christ, who loves us, who laid down his life for us, who promises never to leave us nor forsake us, that his power is made perfect in our weakness, and that there is mercy and there is grace to help in time of need. We look for strength, we look for peace which passes all understanding in the truth of God's word, in the bread and wine that convey to us Jesus himself, his very body and blood in this blessed sacrament. And we seek the encouragement, the help, the assistance of fellow believers who bless us, who uphold us in our journey of faith. And when we fall, and we all do, we turn in repentance to the Lord, seeking his forgiveness and trusting that we have it for Jesus' sake. That's how we get ready for the day. While we wait and watch for that day, we still live in this world, right? We need to earn a living, we need to make our way, we need to care for loved ones, family. We will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, as Jesus describes in the Gospel lesson. Now, in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. You got to eat, right? You got to drink. And who doesn't like to go to a wedding? Marrying and giving in marriage. All of these things are part of life. 
We are occupied with them, but we are not to be preoccupied with them, lest the kingdom goal become obscured and we forget who we are and whose we are. We have one foot here in this world, but we have the other foot already in eternity as children of God. So we are called to live in this world in such a way that we may always be ready to leave it at the Lord's calling whenever that may be. That, my friends, is Advent living as we get ready for the day when Christ will come again. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.